When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, here with the 314th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode, 10 Off-Season Storylines for the Falcons. We uh, wrote the story and we're going to uh, delve into some of those storylines here today. Uh, We're going to start out here with Coach Arthur Smith explaining what this team is trying to accomplish this offseason. I mean, the goal here is to sustain sustain success and to win championships. And if that's not your objective, then you're just playing survivor and trying to manipulate narratives and stat pad. But that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to build a championship-level team, roster, and and that's our objective. They did go 7-10 this year. some of the issues included offensive and defensive line. You know, nothing new around here. They haven't been able to get to the quarterback for a while, haven't been able to block, haven't been able to protect the quarterback. I mean, those are issues that um, are facing this team as they move forward. It was a team that won seven games with a horrible point differential. But our number one offseason story is – Quarterback Matt Ryan and what they should do with the quarterback. We're always evaluating our roster. I mean, to sit there and back yourself in the corner and say that, you know, make some grand statement that we'll never, ever do this or that. I mean, that's not being objective and not trying to improve the roster. Same thing, you know, with Kyle Pitts or Jake Matthews or Grady Jarrett. I mean, you can go down on down the list. There's going to be no state of the union because it's a constant evolution. You look at it and you never want to pass up an opportunity to improve your football team. All right, I got to decipher the coach speak there. Um, they're not cutting Matt Ryan. He has a $40.5 million salary cap hit if that happens. You can't do that when you only have a $208 million cap. So you can't have one-fourth of the cap pretty much dead because you already got a little bit out there on the dead cap. The Falcons want to keep him and continue to build the roster around him. Without Ryan, the Falcons likely would have lost Uh, A lot more games, just won two or three games this year. He has two years left on his contract. His salary cap number is $48.6 million. Now, they can do something to to get that number down, and they most likely will. But based on my conversation with Arthur Smith in London, uh, saying how the team wants to build the team around the quarterback, and then when they're ready to go, then maybe make the transition then, like Kansas City did. Kansas City uh, built their team out around Alex Smith, and when Patrick Mahomes was ready to play, they put him in, and they went to the playoffs right away and are back in the playoffs now and trying to get to their third consecutive Super Bowl. So that's the plan. It's not a quick-fix plan. It's a long-range plan, and Matt Ryan is part of it. Uh, he has two years left on his contract, and, you know, they might even have to extend him this year to to take him to uh, 39 
you know, and uh, to get that cap number down. But he's uh, 37 in May, so he would play next season at 37. He's under contract to 338. And don't be surprised if they extend him and go to 39. He said he wants to play till he's 40. So that's where they're at with Matt Ryan. Next up, where do things stand with Calvin Ridley? Here's general manager Terry Fontenot with storyline number two. Well, it really hasn't changed. And we've, as an organization, we've done the best job we could to just um, support Calvin and do everything we can uh, for him. And I know he made the statement when he did, and we made a statement um, during the season as well. And really up to this point, nothing's changed with that. All right. In uh, May, he had his fifth-year option picked up by the team, 11 11- Point one one six million dollars for next season. He finished this year with an accrued year, so it moves on. Uh, I was told by Joel Corey that uh, tolling and accrued seasons don't match. It wasn't a matter of that, and his contract would come into effect anyway because he only played five games, and so there was the issue if if, if he had the six accrued games but he was on the active or non-active list for two of those, so that gave him seven. So he was over the threshold there. So, you know, they need him back. In three seasons uh, with the Falcons, he had 217 catches for 3,061 yards and 26 touchdowns, including 90 catches for 1,374 yards and nine touchdowns in 2020. And before uh, things... um, before he left the team this season, he had 31 catches for 281 yards and two touchdowns this season. So the Falcons, uh, and my column, my blog is up, cover nine at nine, and we deal with some of the offseason timing issues. They're going to need clarity before the start of the new year. The 14th and 15th, or 14th through 16th is the tampering period. The new league year starts on March 16th at 4 p.m. They're going to likely need some clarity before that as free agency. Uh, you know, um, you got to decide who you're keeping, who's letting go. Uh, will there be, um, you know, some salary cap casualties? Terry Fontenot said they're going to look at every contract, everybody under contract and not under contract. So last year they had a bunch of restructures. So that's an issue there. Now, um, issue number three. The Falcons still have major problems on both lines, offensively and defensively. So I asked Coach Smith how they will go about fixing that. Like the whole team, we got to improve. I think it's, again, statistics, however you want to manipulate them, those are easy. Those are the low-hanging fruit. Uh, it doesn't tell the story of the whole season. It doesn't tell the story, you know, I, you know, necessarily how you win games. Um, like I said before, you know, we went 7-2 in one-possession games. We got to close the gap in the other game. We got to continue to improve. And there's a lot of ways you can fix it. D-led, obviously, down the end of the year, we need more shots on goal. I think when you get in the game and you don't have the ball very long, and a lot of it was self-inflicted, but when you average five yards a carry to make a grand indictment on the run game, I think that's a little bit at the at the surface level there. We need to be better all around. So there's multiple ways you can improve the fronts. We got to improve this whole team. Well, there it is, Coach. Um... Kind of dodging the questions. Here are the facts. These are stats that matter. I don't know what he's talking about, surface stuff. 40 sacks for the fourth consecutive year. The quarterback can't stand in the pocket. He can't drop back for five steps or seven because you can't block. 
And, you know, you need to fix that. Your rushing attack is 85. You average 85.4 yards a game. 31st in the league. You need to fix that. Um, pass pass rush, 17 sacks. You can get off the field on third down if you can get a sack. You don't, you don't have anybody to get there. You need to fix that. Uh, you know, and you can say it was surface issues and this, that, and then we got to fix the whole team. You got line issues. You need to fix them. And the gap that he talked about is immense. So, in one hand, it was amazing that they won seven games with the uh, talent that they were running out there. Uh, but um, on the flip side of that, uh, these other teams in the, the point differential race, they could only muster three and four wins. You know, Jacksonville uh, was minus 205. The New York Jets were minus 194. The uh, Houston Texans were, were third at 172. And Jacksonville was 3-14. and 14. Jets 4-13. and 13. Houston 4-13. and 13. Then the Giants were minus 158, which they were 4-13. and 13. And the Falcons right there at 5, right there in the midst of all this Giants and Jets and Detroit trash. Um, 146, 7 and 10. They're the only team with, you know, more than four wins. And Detroit was right behind them with a minus 142, and they were 3 and 13. So, yeah, they beat the, they won some close games against some bad teams. That's what they did this year. And when they played anybody good, they got beat down. And here are the losses. This is the gap he's talking about. And it, it kind of got better over the season. Eagles, 26. Tampa Bay, they lost by 23. Dallas, they lost by 40. Uh, New England, 25 nothing. Tampa Bay, uh, I think that's Tampa Bay again, 13, 18, 14, 10. That's 10 to the Saints, 14 to uh, Buffalo. Uh, so, so um, and the 18th, San Francisco, I believe. And the 13th, Tampa Bay. So that's the gap he's talking about. He's got to fix the lines. He didn't want to come out. You know, I talked to him afterwards. He didn't want to come out and rip his line. But, I mean, it's quite obvious that they got problems. If you can block, you can run out the clock. Um, you know, you win the Washington game. You drive down and don't throw an interception against the Carolina game. Then, I mean, you're 9-0 in one-score games. And you're probably in the playoffs with, the, with this team. But they weren't good enough. And that show when they play good teams. So they're going to have to um, develop what they have on their roster, um, you know, in the weight room and, and so forth. Then go get some players in the free agency. You know, you don't have as much money, but we're going to look at that later. And then you got to draft some more. You got to get some players in here. So there we are with fixing the lines, number three. Storyline number four, once again, uh, we kind of lumped those together there, the pass rusher. Um, so Fontenot talked about the type of player that they would be looking for. Dean said in his press conference the other day about pass rushers, and he said something like it's um, you're not coaching it. They just figure out a way to get to the quarterback. There are pressure players, whether it's a, it, can be an, it can be an end, it can be a defensive tackle, a linebacker, a safety. Um, they just figure out a way to get to the quarterback. They're pressure players. So um, there, there's different ways that they do it. There, there's different guys and different ways they do it. Um, but you're just looking for pressure players. All right, pressure players. So they need pressure players everywhere, outside linebacker, 
they tried to blitz their inside linebackers. They couldn't get there. They tried to blitz their safeties. They couldn't get there. They tried to blitz the nickel cornerback. He couldn't get there. So, you know, Dante Fowler led the team in sacks with 4.5. He missed a lot of um, his incentives. But, um, you know, uh, Stephen Means didn't provide much of a pass rush or, or pressure player. He's more a stack the, stack the corner type of set the edge guy. So that's what they're looking for, people to um, provide pressure. But you can't leave your cornerbacks in coverage that long. So as they move into the draft, there's a bunch of edge dra- edge rushers in this draft. So uh, we can look for them to go edge probably in the first or the third, or first and the third, uh, or um, just continue to build with what they have here. Uh Storyline number five, who's going to replace running back coach Des Kitchens? He left the team to go be the offensive coordinator at the University of Virginia with Tony Elliott. So he's had the one assistant coach to to replace. And uh, here's Smith discussing what it will take to replace Des Kitchens. We'll take our time before we fill the running back job. Um, you know, we want to talk to a lot of people. There's a lot of movement going on. And so... Right now, that's the only only movement we've had, but you just can't predict the future because there's a you know there's a ripple effect depending on who gets what job, and so we'll see. But we'll take our time, make sure it's the right person that we bring in here. Yeah, no doubt. The coaching carousel has started. Uh, a couple thoughts on the running back spot. I'll get anybody that worked under Bobby Turner, the uh, running backs coach at San Francisco, who was here uh, with the Falcons during the Super Bowl run. Left foot Shanahan. Anybody that works with him is an expert in the one-cut system, and they need to improve all across the board in the run game. So Bernie Parmalee, he was the former running backs coach uh, and stepped up and took over special teams last year in Atlanta too, but he was down in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer, so he's available. He interviewed last time. Uh, I would look at – I didn't get to look at who the Minnesota running back coach is, but he, he got uh, – Probably let go with Zimmer and them yesterday and work with Dalvin Cook. So um, those are some of the names to keep an eye out for in the running back uh, coach scenario. Now, storyline number six, you got um, free agency. The Falcons got 27 now because Dorian Etheridge was signed to a futures deal. So uh, 27 and... um, They've got decisions to make on all of them. They could probably bring a lot of them back on, uh, you know, short-term deals and let them compete since they know the system. But the key ones at the top of the board or uh, Fourier Ulukan, who led the league in tackles. He might have played himself into a, a great deal. Young Wei Koo, the kicker, who they certainly want to keep. But the number one target is Corderell Patterson. Now my, my mama, she actually wants me to stay here because it's – it's only three hours away from the house. You know, they get to come up to all the home games and stuff like that. So, you know, she told me like two days ago she would love for me to be here. But, you know, the, the business side, man, you know, a lot of people don't see the, the business side of everything. So, you know, like I said, I'm going to just let my agent, you know, and the GM handle that. You know, I'm going to just sit back and, you know, just keep grinding. All right, Corderell Patterson, he was signed to a one-year $3 million contract. His market value is at $6 million. Do you want to give him $6 million to be a kind of gadget guy? Is that money going to be better spent elsewhere? 
So uh, he might have played himself out of town also, depending on what the market is for, for the gadget uh, wide receiver running back guy. You know, he tried to carry some of the running back load, but, you know, they pulled away down the stretch. He was just getting popped too much in the backfield, uh, I think. And, you know, Mike Davis, um, uh, you know, did the best he could. Ended up uh, last game with two fumbles and so forth. So here we are, free agency. Quarter rails number one. Foy's number two. Young Way Koo's number three. Number four is Russell Gage. He also might have played himself into a better deal it may not be returning. So those are the top four, and um, the rest is uh, Matt Gano to bring him back. Uh, Josh Andrews, Deron Harmon, Eric Harris, you know, all the veterans they signed. Brandon Copeland, they, they signed a one-year deal. They actually played a lot. Uh, you know, maybe they bring them back until they have found capable replacements. But that's where we are. Corderell's mom wants him to stay. He wants to stay, but it's a business. So... Show him the money, and he'll stay. He's going to go where the best deal is. That's how it works in the NFL. Now, storyline number seven, the draft. Everybody gets excited about the draft. Kind of in line with the uh, new GMs thinking about the draft. Uh, but let's look at the draft and what Fontenot's priorities will be. We always want to be a team that doesn't reach for needs, and we go into the draft with needs, and you know you want to fill those needs. But you always want to take the best player on the board and not reach um, for, for something. I think we think that's how you make mistakes. So um, it's an ongoing process. The, the college staff has been grinding all year. And um, now it's to a point where the coaches are going to get involved in that process. It's going to be a collaborative effort. We'll make sure we bring in the best players we can. All right. They don't want to reach for needs. Okay, now here um, I can go through the history, uh, but we'll just do a quick rundown. Okay, they they needed a defensive end. They took Tack McKinley instead of T.J. Watt. Okay, that's the most recent one. The oldest one was a uh, 09. Parade Jerry. They needed a tackle. They take Parade Jerry. He's had five surgeries at Ole Miss. He's gonna probably break down. Uh, they take him anyway and don't take Kay Matthews Jr. Goes on to be a player of the year. So that's how that works. Take the best player. Figure out where to play him later. Uh, don't reach because, you you know, hey, we need a guard, so let's take a guard here. You don't do that. And that's what Terry Fontenot is talking about. couple uh, dates. The deadline to declare for the draft is January the 17th, so that's coming up. So we'll be hearing a lot of the Athens kids uh, declaring after winning their national championship. Congratulations to the uh, Bulldogs. And uh, we'll have the list uh, released on January 23rd. First, So that's coming up. That's the first step here is how many underclassmen are in the pool. And then you can kind of start putting your board and, and sliding them in there. Uh, number eight in our storylines for the offseason, post-draft. Because, you know, they got to fix the lines. And then the, the kind of unobvious way to do it is you got to find linemen. You got to develop them. So they have to stock the O-line and D-line with undrafted free agents. And I'm recommending that they take five each. I would take three interior guys and two tackles. And, you know, bring them in here. Either you can develop them, you can teach them. They can make it to the practice squad. Um, you know, do good in the weight room. You got to be able to project some of these linemen out. And that's important because in one of our previous storylines, we talked about free agency. No lineman that's any good gets the free agency. 
So whenever you sign a lineman in free agency, you're pretty much signing somebody else's trash, which might be an upgrade. But still, you got to, for the long term, you have to have a plan to develop your own lineman. And a good way to do that is through the undrafted free agent process uh, and make sure you got guys in here that can compete, pushing people around, open up some holes, and protect the quarterback. All right, now storyline number nine is the Senior Bowl in the Combine. The Senior Bowl's coming up first. Uh, we have the HBCU Combine, the 28th and 29th at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, and that'll roll right into the Senior Bowl week, the 30th through February the 5th. And we're starting to see some of the uh, invites to the Senior Bowl. Now, um, after the Senior Bowl, and our plan is to be there if there's in-person availability. Uh, should be. I know um, uh, Mr. Nagy, Jim Nagy's going to be working really hard to get a lot of Alabama and Georgia players in there. There were 30 draftable players on the field, according to my guy Pat Kerwin on uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio. So of those 30, they're going to want to have as many as they can to, to play in the bowl game or at least come down during the week. Uh, so the fans of Alabama could uh, come out and see the game down in Mobile on the 5th. And it's, play, it's not at Lab Peoples anymore. It's out at the uh, University of South Alabama field. And I think they announced the staff, staffs yesterday. I think Lions and uh, Jets. But we'll, um, we'll have that for you, too. Now, then the Combine is March the 1st through the 6th, and we're starting to see some people release their invitations on, on, on social media. But that'll be in Indianapolis, um, and it might start moving around after this year. So, And there again, if we have in-person availability and access, uh, we'll, we are committed to go to that and uh, cover the Combine again this year. We didn't make it last year during the pandemic. Big dates here with regards to that because uh, all the work gets done at the Combine March 1 through 6. Then the tampering period for free agency starts on the 14th. That's why people, you know, you kind of know if a guy's available, can you get him, what's the price, and then they've got a week to work it out before the tampering period ends or starts on the 14th and ends on the 16th in the, of March. And then the new league year starts at 4 p.m. on March 16th, okay? And then your draft date is April the 26th through the 28th. And before the draft is when the Falcons could start their off-season weightlifting program. Uh, well, it's, it's more than the weightlifting program, but they need to lift some weights. Off-season program could start on April the 18th. Storyline number 10, OTAs and pits. So that, you know, the OTAs will be in May because the, the, the weightlifting program, that's usually four weeks. And then we go into May. Then June and July is kind of the down period. This is a big offseason for rookie Kyle Pitts. He, uh, you know, had 1,000 yards this season, came with close within um, Mike Dicker's record. But, you know, they want to continue to develop their prize tight end Kyle Pitts uh, who isn't all that impressed with himself. He's a rather humble rookie. I, I feel like it was an okay start. Uh, I feel like there's a lot more to work on and achieve. So I think it's just, you know, the first step. That was a pretty good first step. He got the yards, only one touchdown. 
they put a lot on his plate. They were moving him around, trying to create mismatches and so forth. Um, it, it didn't help that they didn't have a top flight receiver to go out there with him. And basically, Kyle Pitts and Corderell Patterson were the offense. Whatever they could do, that kind of um, carried the, 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 the show. So his improvement will be vital to uh, the team's success moving forward. It's a good thing that he's humbled and wasn't too impressed with himself. But uh, he did a great job and was selected to the Pro Bowl. And uh, I'm pretty sure as a rookie, he'll go out to Vegas and uh, do a little bit in the Pro Bowl. So with that, we um, we hit our 10 storylines for the offseason. Hope you, hopefully you're prepared for the offseason now. Uh, next up, we'll watch the playoffs and keep our eye on the Senior Bowl. We'll keep our eye on the invites for the uh, HBCU Combine and the Senior Bowl and uh, kind of enjoy a little bit of downtime and uh, be ready to swing into the pro days and, and uh, attend some of those as we get into this offseason. So with that, we're going to depart and we're going to ask you to have a great rest of your week. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.